hello everybody and welcome to uh the third episode of making evangelism simple again um just to restate our goal uh the intent of this podcast is to uh apply the book knowledge that many of us have about evangelism and apologetics or the lack of knowledge that uh any of us have about evangelism and apologetics and sort of uh improve upon that with uh with real examples and uh, by the experience of other people. Um, so we've had two other people uh, on the last two episodes, Daniel Frampton and Jacob Harold. And today, uh, I'm excited to say um, the guest for today is uh, Mr. Postma um, of Logos Online. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Thanks for having me, Reese. Uh, again, my name is Scott Postma, and I teach uh, at Logos Online School. And uh, spent about 20 years in uh, pastoral ministry and Christian education, church planting was the primary focus. And uh, so, yeah, I, that's who I am. <laughs> you seem pretty qualified for this podcast. <laughs> well, I, I hope I can offer some insights. Uh, most of it will, you know, have come from uh, uh, hit and miss personal experience and lots of study and trying to trying to do a better job. That's awesome. Um, so uh, it's probably a pretty pretty obvious what the answer is, but have you had much use for evangelism or apologetics in your career? Yeah, um, actually, so yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory, but, but, but absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, we, we spent uh, about 20 years, just over 20 years, uh, planting churches, and uh, we'd started two uh, Christian schools along with it, but our primary focus was in in church planning, and we were uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, of all places. And so we uh, started one church that we stayed with them for about uh, 12 years, and before we turned it over to a pastor, and then started another church uh, as a mission of that church, and stayed with them uh, for about uh, I guess it would be five years um, that we were with them before we turned it over to a pastor. And so, as you can imagine, uh, our whole life for um, about 15 years in, um, in Las Vegas was centered around evangelism and apologetics. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think that uh, there's maybe uh, one of the two of those that you've found to be more useful in your life, or do you think that they're about equal? I think it's a good question. For, for the most part, I would say that they are interconnected. There's certainly an aspect of them that are you know, that is different. But if you think of a you know coin or a dollar bill or something, you know they it's it's one dollar bill. It has two different sides. And so when I think about apologetics, I'm thinking more in terms of giving an answer, uh, giving an explanation for our faith that is reasonable, makes sense, uh, even if that sense is. Uh, because of revelation, you know, through the scripture. And then evangelism is more the application of the gospel to, you know, various situations in people's lives. And so in in many respects, you know, they're one and the same, uh, but maybe just kind of, you know, which side of the coin you're facing. Yeah, that's that's good. That's been, I think, the general consensus um, so far in our inter interviews is that many people have agreed that apologetics and evangelism are are pretty much one in the same but just have you know different different aspects about them but overall sort of accomplishing 
some of the same goals. Um, can you give us an example or or maybe a story of how you personally have evangelized and sort of some of the tactics that you've used? Uh, sure. Uh, of course, there's there's so many different stories, so many different um, opportunities, um, mainly because of the focus of what we were doing uh, for so long. But then also, you know, people are different. Um, one one example comes to mind is um, uh, we had a uh, through a mutual friend. Uh, I met a gentleman who was about uh, at the time I think he was about fifty seven years old. So he was he was an older man, um, you know, middle aged to, to older guy, in the sense of you know having you know been around for a while. Uh, grew up in New York City, uh, Jewish by heritage and atheist by belief, and we just got chatting one day. Um, and uh, talking about things of faith, and, and he was open to just having conversations. So this particular approach is uh, we would just meet every Thursday uh, for coffee, and after a few meetings and just hanging out and chatting and answering questions, um, he agreed to read through uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity with me, and so we read through it together, having conversations each week about it. And as we begin to just answer questions uh, that pertain to, you know, from his worldview, pertain to, to the way he saw things, uh, was able to give reasonable explanations for why he would see things a certain way, why the scriptures would reveal a different sort of truth, and, and how to make application. And uh, literally, it was about a year and a half, and uh, he came to faith in Christ. Uh, so a, a Jewish atheist um, from New York City, kind of, and I, and I say that in the sense of, you know, you could be as, you know, that, that's about as liberal as you're going to get in the sense of, um, you know, against a conservative Christian worldview. And after just some reasonable discussions, um, you know, loving on him and his family in a, in a friendly sort of way, uh, you know, no, it, it wasn't a, you know, kind of a battle of, of argument. It was just talking out issues. Um, he came to faith in Christ, and I had the opportunity the next Easter to baptize him. And as far wow. as I know, he's still walking in the faith and, and leading, you know, his family spiritually. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that brings up uh, some really good in info about the fact that uh, a lot of times evangelism is not just a simple give someone a Bible or, or tell them about Jesus, that sometimes it, it requires a lot of dedication and a lot of um, time actually knowing the specific person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that. And, and in, in particular cases, you know, people, you know, or each case is, is particular in the sense that each person is coming to the message of the gospel with a different sort of background, maybe some different baggage. And so it's not so much that um, I think that reasoning is going to convince someone to believe the gospel, but sometimes reasoning through the faith or, or apologetically answering their questions removes some of the obstacles that they might have, some, some misnomers or some, some misunderstandings of things about the world, about the scriptures, you know, about life that would you know, allow them to you know, see the gospel or you know, open up to the gospel. Yeah, that's been that's been the general theme, is that um, not only is, is sort of every case uh, different, and that you sort of need to be ready, prepared, and 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 follow the Holy Spirit where He leads you in those, but that 
um, a lot of it is is not just a simple. It's still not just a very simple formulaic thing whatsoever. That it, it really you have to care about those individual people and show God's love and act through example um, and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, yeah, that 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 may manifest in different ways. Uh, moving on to the other side of the coin, um, would you say or could you give an example of how your faith has been um, directly attacked by an unbeliever or uh, otherwise? Um, well, I, I, hmm, I could give some examples of, you know, some strange um, scenarios. Maybe I don't, I don't know if that's what you're looking for exactly, but we've, you know, had people who were just out and out atheists um, who really were not looking for a conversation or, um, exploring truth, but rather just uh, angry and wanting to cause trouble. Uh, so I mean, we've had people come into the church and cause scenes um, when we're church planting. You know, and in Las Vegas, you know, church planting, I, I don't know what it'd be like in other places, but uh, because of the commercial presence, uh, because of the, you know, the transientness, you know, churches, most churches, unless they've been there for a lot of years, are in storefronts or in business complexes and those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of access in, in terms of, you know, people just kind of walking through. And um, uh, so we, we had a few of those incidences. Um, I've had, um, you know, people be very angry, uh, really for no reason, not like that we did anything or said anything unkind to them. But just when they knew that we were Christians, um, you know, get angry and, you know, try to belittle faith or or you know, be antagonistic and maybe try to raise some sort of a ruckus. But in most of those cases, we just try to do our best to be kind and, you know, uh, you know, dismiss any, you know, don't take things personal. Just dismiss the fact that they're, um, or dismiss the attack from the fact that they are uh, lost and, and don't know Christ. So, you know, I don't know if you're looking like for specific examples or, you know, things said, but people can kind of get nasty and, you know, so we just try to love them anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we are looking for. Um, that, that also brings up a good point that a lot of times people say like the, the you know, the best defense is a good offense, but it seems like in the, in those cases, uh, best offense is a good defense. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that's really all, that's really all that you can do is, um, you know, in the offenses is simply love them. They're, they're not going to be open to, you know, hearing a gospel message, you know, for example, um, you know, in, in one particular case, you know, was preaching and, and had a lady um, stand up and kind of go ballistic um, and, um, you know, different perspectives on demon possession and things. And I, I've never really dealt with anything uh, of that nature, but this lady, you know, pretty much went crazy. Uh, not wanting to hear the name of Jesus and, uh, you know, had to be uh, escorted out. You know, it was kind of, you know, kind of strange. So uh, there's definitely a, a spiritual battle in some of those cases. And so if we try to find the opportunity to um, to love people where you can, know what the limitations are, um, it's, you know, it's not going to be beneficial to try to, you know, press some sort of a gospel message on them if they're not open to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's important to to recognize is that not every time is the you know perfect time to 
to attempt to evangelize. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know for me, um, like having, having real world uh, sort of examples and that sort of thing um, definitely helped me sort of picture the, the correct way to act in those situations uh, as, as much as each situation is different. So could you maybe go through maybe one uh, specific, somewhere around debate uh, that you've had with somebody about apologetics? Uh, so let's see, debate that we've had about the faith in um, particular. Um, some, of the de- some of the debates that, that we have had primarily uh, centered around whether or not um, actually the Christian faith was the, you know, was the true faith. Um, in, in a place like Las Vegas where we were at, there were, you know, the, the Mormon religion is really big down there. And so a lot of times the debates we got into were more with some of the cults, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, uh, those sorts of, of groups. Um, and not so much the atheistic, um, you know, the atheists. So the, the conversations sometimes that we were, were debating on were things like, is Jesus in fact the Son of God? Is he, you know... 100% God and 100% man, or is he, um, you know, just a son of God the same way we're all sons of gods? And so a lot of those discussions came down to walking through the scriptures and 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 trying to make sense of the scriptures or the understanding of the scriptures. Um, any experiences that we had with uh, with unbelievers. Generally speaking, uh, this one gentleman I just gave you an example was was kind of an anomaly in that he was open to just having a, a dialogue. Uh, but most of the time, people who were unbelievers in an um, in an anti-Christian way or or atheistic were just very, um, at least in the particular area we were in, were very unknowledgeable about you know even maybe what they believed, but it was just more of an, an antagonistic spirit toward. Uh, toward faith in, in general, but um, some of the conversations that that we had, you know, is is discussing whether or not um, can you really have faith in God that you cannot see? You know, can can you have faith in that kind of uh, you know? Can you have that kind of a faith? Is that reasonable? And I know we've talked about that in in um, in our interactions about whether or not there's a reasonable it's reasonable to believe uh, that God exists. And I believe one of the things that we have to recognize is that people are going to come to faith because the Spirit of God moves uh, in, in hearing the, present, uh, the preaching of the gospel. And so we have to trust the Spirit of God to move. And then there may be certain questions that have to be answered about that faith. So we'll believe that God exists simply because we can see creation. And in seeing creation around us, um, you know, point to these things and recognize that it would be a very difficult leap of faith, more so than to believe in God, to believe that this just happened, uh, you know, automatically. So some of the discussions that, that we've had, um, you know, where people would be open to it, uh, comes down to, um, I remember one, one conversation they had was, you know, talking with a lady about, you know, the fact that you're, you know, just look at the human eye or look at the circulatory system uh, look at the ecosystem of the world, and you know, walking through some of these things, you can't um, dismiss the fact that there was intelligent design behind that. 
Now, generally speaking, those things didn't convince people. Um, and so one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite discussions when it, when, you know, when, or favorite comments when the discussion wasn't going in the right direction or didn't seem to be producing any fruit is just to simply ask the person, if I could answer every single one of your ob objective, uh, objections reasonably, would you trust Christ as your Savior and submit to him as Lord of your life? And most of the time, the answer was no. It wouldn't matter what you said to me. No, that's not going to happen. And so in those cases, you know, the apologetics, um, you know, in the sense of trying to argue for a reasonability of the faith, that's going to fall on deaf ears. And at that point, the gospel preaching is more of a, conf uh, you know, confronting them with their need for a Savior, their need to repent. Hmm. So that that uh, a lot of that implies that um, apologetics is uh, and should be specifically used for the goal of um, eventually evangelism, or at least leading in that direction. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I I think, and I might even say that that it would be a little bit inverse of that. That um, of, that apologetics is typically well. There, there'd be two ways. Typically, in an evangelistic situation where you know evangelism is you know proclaiming the evangelium, pro proclaiming the good news uh, that Christ died for our sins, rose again, and is reigning, um, and and so proclaiming this good news raises questions for some people, and depending on what their background is or what they know, those questions are going to be different. So apologetics or being uh, versed in in an apologetic. Uh, mindset, uh, taking First Peter three fifteen that uh, sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts and being ready uh, to give an answer to every man who asks us of uh, the reason of our faith um, implies that in an evangelistic situation we need to be able to give an account for why we believe what we believe and, and how we believe. So apologetics in that sense is going to be um, that, that's a way, I guess, offensively we would use apologetics, that in presenting the gospel, being able to give an answer for the reason of the hope that lies within us. And then, the, if, if I could put it in this kind of a term, a, a defensive posture would be when someone attacks the faith is to be able to give a reasonable explanation for why we believe what we believe. That doesn't mean you're necessarily going to convince them. That doesn't mean they're going to agree with you. But being able to articulate that we do have a position that's more than just, you know, something we pulled out of thin air and decided to um, to believe, and it and and we could have chose, you know, we could have chosen anything, uh, and this is just what we happen to believe. We're giving them a reasonable explanation, a, a reason for why we believe what we believe. Uh, so I don't know if that makes sense. That there's kind of the offensive uh, use of it, and then maybe the defensive use of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's really good. Uh, do you think that there is something specific that most people should steer clear of when acting apologetically? Or uh, is there anything that bothers you about the way people defend their faith in general? Well, I, I think the one, the one thing that we would always, uh, I guess the one thing in, in church planting and, and, and teaching our, our people in the church that we focus on continually is we can have the right position and still have the wrong disposition. 
And so just because we have the right position, we also are called by Christ to have the right disposition. And so I guess that would be the one thing to always in, in, encourage people to do is to steer clear of a wrong disposition when, when acting apologetically. The second thing that I would you know, point on, and I kind of touched on that a minute ago, is that if a person isn't, um, if they're not open in their heart, you're not going to change their mind by giving them a reasonable answer. So in other words, if a person has hardened themselves against the gospel, then um, then you're going to, uh, all, all you're doing basically is is antagonizing and, and you're, you're creating an argument because they don't have any, you know, spirit to hear what's, what's being said. So that would be the second thing. Have the right disposition. And then secondly, um, you know, know when... You're just basically speaking to deaf ears. Um, I, I had a situation one time, you, you're asking a minute ago, but I, I, this might be relevant here. Uh, there was a situation where um, there was the Junior Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Um, when we, we were at a kind of an evangelistic event, and they all came up and, and uh, listened. And afterwards, they hung around, a bunch of them hung around and were asking questions. And so we just answered, answered questions back and forth, talking about the gospel. And, you know, kind of one by one, there are probably maybe 20 or 25 of them standing there. And then, you know, one by one or two by two, they kind of dispersed. And at the very end, there was one guy that was standing there and he said, hey, could I have some of your literature? Um, you know, I, I uh, have been part of the Mormon church for a little while, but it's not, you know, I'm having some doubts and, and I'd really like to investigate what I believe. And uh, so we were able to talk to him, but he kind of waited for everybody to leave. And so there's a sense in which, um, you know, there's going to be some people who uh, have a heart to hear what's being said, and then there's other people who are just really in it for the argument. So right disposition, avoid unnecessary arguments. You know, if they're a dishonest skeptic, uh, you're not going to convince them no matter what you give. And I think those would be probably the two main things that would be important uh you know, an apologetic. And I guess maybe a third one would seem pretty obvious, and that is always focus, always point it back to the cross, always back to Christ, uh, because ultimately he is, uh, he's the Savior. That's, yeah, that's very important to, to keep in mind um, why we do this. And, and um, yeah, that, that, that story that you were talking about, about the, uh, the Mormon uh, guy, is uh, particularly interesting to me because um, I live in Salt Lake City. Uh, and so uh, just imagining some, like a Mormon, uh, you know, being willing to, to hear that and investigate their faith is, is really intriguing to me because I know that a lot of that, uh, the culture uh, and cult uh, sort of doesn't discourage it, but tries to keep their, their people sort of um, curious as like, in the dark, I suppose, about what they believe and mm. that most people, most Mormons that I've talked to wouldn't generally see that there was anything that they didn't understand or that they would feel a need to investigate. Um, I don't know if I, if I phrased that correctly, but I, I find that intriguing. Uh, yeah. And, and no, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I think that, um, for the most part, that isn't true. The, the, you know, for the most part, people. What you said is true. For the most part, it. You know, people aren't going to be looking at it. But I've I've found this really intriguing that when you preach the gospel, when you share the truth, the gospel message, uh, it's almost as if 
uh, apologetics is kind of the, you know, um, it's the structure. We, we preach the gospel, but then we're prepared to give an answer and, and an explanation for what it all means. And, and generally speaking, um, you know, in a crowd of people or along the way, it's people that you would not expect, you know, that are going to be, you know, that the Spirit of God's working in their heart and life. So I think there's, you know, there's, it's never lost to, to share the good news. It's just when it comes to the apologetic side of it and, and giving an answer, we have to just be, you know, we have to be careful. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, warning and reminder for people is that uh, we need to be constantly uh, acting like Christ also because we don't know, you know, when a situation will, will arise and we don't know uh, who it is that uh, we're being steered towards. So we must sort of always be acting to some extent evangelistically and, and always be showing the love of Christ to people. Uh, are there any... Um, ways that you think we should be constantly acting evangelistically rather than just uh, following Christ with interactions? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. Um, this is an area where uh, the church is not always uh, faithful, I guess. And, and I say the church, that, that would include me. Uh, because, you know, we, we get in our comfort zone sometimes. And sometimes we, you know, um, for example, you know, as, as a church planter, there were times where we, um, you know, your, your life is consumed with evangelistic sort of work, whether that's follow-up discipleship, whether that's, you know, um, you know, confrontational evangelism, as some people would call it, or, or, or whatever. And then you kind of want to like, okay, um, I want to punch the clock, and now I just want to go, um, you know, hang out and not do anything. And there's there's certain time to pull away and, and certain time to engage, but as far as just being Christians, um, you know, followers of Christ without a title or vocation, you know, a church planner, pastor, or teacher, or something, I think we all have to to be aware first of all of the opportunities that God gives to us. And um, it was an, a famous evangelist once somebody told him said you. You seem to get all the opportunities, and he said, "Well, the opportunities are all around you. You just have to be aware of them." And I just remember that kind of stuck with me that we need to be. And as you mentioned a moment ago, first of all, in our our disposition um, and and the way that we live and the way we interact, showing the love of Christ in all situations, whether or not we're actively engaged in an evangelistic or apologetic uh, dialogue with someone, we need to be, you know, as Christians, you know, simply following Christ that way. And then being aware of those people who are around us and, and those people that we're interacting with. And if we follow Jesus' example, he often, you know, in, this, in the conversations with people, he found different ways of um, introducing, not in a crafty salesman-like way, but in a genuine, you know, life interaction way, uh, providing the answers, you know, and the answer to their need was always the gospel, you know, was, was him. Uh, so finding ways that we can point people when the opportunity arises, point people to Christ. And then I think there are times and seasons when we should be intentional and that we should um, sanctify certain times of our life, you know, to do evangelistic kinds of projects. And um, the church doesn't do a lot of that anymore, but I think that's something that we could do individually if, if we sanctify a time to, to just be engaged evangelistically and apologetically. Yeah, um, I like what you said that um, we a lot of times do sort of uh, 
check out a little bit and uh, I guess in, to some extent act selfishly in that we aren't constantly acting evangelistically. Um, and yeah, I think that's important to, to recognize that uh, the way you spend your time uh, is, is a lot more important than uh, we often think that there's, there's so many opportunities for evangelism and there's, there's so much that we can do and that it's not enough to sometimes just um, do what's required of us, but that we need to go the extra mile and that that's what uh, Christ requires of us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and, and we, we just, we keep in mind, if we keep in mind that it's, you know, and I think, how do I say this? I think we need to keep in mind what our identity is. You know, when we call ourselves Christians, we're calling ourselves Christ people, you know, little Christ, you know, Christ follower, um, different ways of translating that. But that's that's what a Christian is. And so I think keeping in mind our identity, uh, who we are, uh, reminds us that, you know, we're to be salt and light wherever we're at. And if, if we keep that in our, in our, in our hearts and mind, um, that doesn't mean there can't be seasons of coming apart um, and, and there can't be seasons of, of intentional, sanctified times of evangelism. But I think our most fruitful times, at least in my experience, has always just been being available when the opportunity you know, is around us to be able to you know, share the love of Christ and, and you know, the gospel message. Do you think, um, do you think book knowledge is required? to do apologetics or evangelism or that we should uh or that we are more capable in many ways uh from reading a lot of books and doing a lot of study about that or do you think a lot of it is uh spirit-led that's a great question and i'm going to say um i'm going to say yes and yes and no <laughs> um so to start with i say this nobody needs book knowledge to be evangelistic um and Certainly, as time has developed, um, you know, 2,000 years since Christ, um, time has developed in such a way that there have been a lot of arguments and discussions and complicated ideas. Uh, and so, so training ourselves and learning and growing is always beneficial. It's always better for us to deepen our knowledge and our understanding. But by no means is it required. Uh, so I, I'm saying that to say it this way, you know, as a a brand new Christian, for example, somebody who's just come to faith in Christ, they can share their testimony. They can share what God did in their life. And they can answer the questions that they know to the best of their ability with the caveat that I'm new to the faith. I don't have all the answers, but I believe because, and, you know, lay out how God worked in their heart and life. So I, th I think on that side of it, no one should be exempt from being apologetic uh, and, and evangelistic. Um, but on the other side, you know, Peter tells us to always be ready, you know, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and then be ready to give an answer to every man. And every man implies that there are, you know, different kinds of people with different kinds of backgrounds, which means they have different ideas and different questions. And so growing in our knowledge and our understanding of how to interact with and confront um, these different questions that are raised or these different issues that come up, I think that, you know, we're arming ourselves simply with wisdom, you know, being able to, to discuss these intelligently and, uh, and not just rely, you know, in the sense of, um, you know, I'll just trust the Holy Spirit, which we should trust the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're 
you know, we're told to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, um, and rightly dividing the word of truth. So that means we have to, you know, we, we literally have to uh, work at, uh, you know, be that to be to study is, you know, to be diligent about knowing the word of God. And so I think that's something that is required of us, but it shouldn't exempt us uh, from being, you know, evangelistic or apologetic in our, in our responses. So, you know, for example, you know, you meet young Christians that often come into you with young Christians and say, well, I just don't know enough to say anything. Uh, but everybody knows enough to say something. We just shouldn't stay where we're at, where we're at. So I think book knowledge is helpful in the sense that we are, um, you know, cultivating, refining ourselves, that we are sharpening ourselves and polishing ourselves. I think that's always helpful and right. Yeah, that's, that's good that, um, yeah, it doesn't, uh, that we need to constantly be trying to become more prepared, but at the same time, it's not like uh, we aren't ever prepared to some extent. Like we're always to some extent prepared, but we need to still be trying to become uh, more so. Uh, and that book knowledge is just one of the routes to getting there. Uh, do you think there are other ways to, to sort of become more prepared other than uh, just uh, gaining book knowledge? Um, experience. I, I think, you know, just getting in the trenches and rolling up your sleeves, you know, to put it in those terms, uh, just from a personal standpoint, um, the greatest discipleship in my life, I think, was uh, as a young believer, I was uh, part of a church, you know, old, that did old school evangelism where they literally, uh, every week they would go knocking on people's homes door to door, inviting them to church, giving them gospel tracts. And if someone was open to, you know, have a discussion, they would have discussions with them. But I mean, literally, um, you know, evangelism from door to door. And so part of the early discipleship as a young Christian is I, you know, hung out with those people who would go and, and tried to learn. And inevitably there would be questions raised that I would have to go back and study or find out and, and, and get answers to. Or situations that you got put in that you had to learn how do you deal with this. And... Uh, so I, th I think really just rolling up your sleeves and being evangelistic and um, doing apologetics, if we put it in those terms, is the very best way that you can continue to grow. Because you'll you'll come up with you know somebody will come up with some questions you can't answer. You'll have to go and do some research and studying and and uh, find the answers to those. And you may never even get that question again, but you'll be more prepared and have a, a more robust understanding of your faith just by by doing that. That's awesome. Uh, I usually sort of think to myself that uh, I sort of need more more preparation before I go out into the world, sort of. And uh, yeah, it's it's in some ways comforting to hear that that's that that's wrong because it's it's sort of just living in fear to really think that you just you need to know something more before you get out there. That the best way to to understand what to do is to actually just do it. Yeah, um, which is the same with uh, a lot of things like, you know, playing a sport. You don't just like learn about a sport but, and then you're able to play it. You need to actually practice the sport. You need to get out there and play it, uh, that sort of thing. Um, that's yeah, that's really good. Yeah, no, um, that's exactly right. Do you think there's anything that we should keep in mind when attempting either of these uh, more so than than I guess what we've already talked about, which has sort of been 
the topic of this entire episode, really. But uh, is there anything more, um, maybe three points or so, that we should just keep in mind uh, in our daily lives? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, if, if we're talking just as it pertains to, you know, to evangelism or, and um, apologetics, you know, I mentioned this a couple times just in, in quoting First Peter 3 that he says, you know, to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And, and that's how he starts this, this um, you know, commission to us, so this, this imperative command that we are to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. And that, that word sanctify is to, you know, to, uh, you know, to set apart, to, uh, to recognize that, that Christ is Lord. So I, I think that orients us uh, in the right direction in our worship. And, and so to think in terms of apologetics and evangelism as being part of our worship, that we want to be as faithful in that and uh, true to the Lord in that as we would if we were singing a hymn in church or listening to a sermon or praying that, um, that we're sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts. So this isn't, in other words, we're not just there uh, to have an argument or to win an argument uh, we have a greater mission in mind than just to, you know, to debate. Um, you know, there's a lot of formal debates, and some people argue whether or not that's, you know, real, you know, apologetics, or whether that's, you know, if you have a debate, a, a, you know, an atheist and a, and a believer. But I think those kinds of formal debates are helpful for the church in, you know, raising and answering some of the uh, complicated ideas and uh, you know, puts people in a position to be able to discuss those and wrestle with those ideas. So I think those are helpful. Uh, but in the end of the day, I think we need to recognize that this is about our worship. This is about um, you know what Romans twelve tells us that um, uh, that that this is our you know our faithful uh, service or our faithful worship. This is our our spiritual worship to the Lord. What a great note to uh, end the podcast on. Um, I guess it's time to wrap up a little bit. Um, thank you for being on, uh, Mr. Postma. It was really awesome to have you on, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to go back and edit this thing and uh, get it out for everybody to hear. Well, thank you, Reese. I really appreciate the opportunity and appreciate what you're doing. So thanks for allowing me to be here. Uh, so that, that is the, the final episode of Making Evangelism Simple Again. Um, I hope that you guys have found this to be, um, useful or helpful, uh, for, for whatever it is that you're listening to it for. Uh, thank you for bearing with us over these three episodes as we've had three different styles of recording, three different guests and, uh, many different, uh, editing techniques being, being attempted. Uh, I apologize for any of the, the bad audio that you've heard throughout this or any of the background noise, uh. We've been recording in multiple different locations, and there's been a lot of um, just crazy stuff going on in the background. But um, I'm happy that uh, overall the product is done. We're hoping to have a highlight reel out in the next few weeks. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, see you guys later.